Lighting is something you can never fix in post. Yeah, exactly. Photoshop. (laughs) Pretty soon we might be able to. What about when a deep fake this look? Well, seriously, what if they're like, and and Brian, you may have something to say about this, but how close are we technology wise to just recording someone on a green screen or something and and having the lighting show be virtual around them? They've already done that. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Who? Uh, Martin Garrix did, uh, or actually there was a whole festival actually during the COVID pandemic that they did where it was the, the performer was filmed on some green screen and then they did all the programming in, uh, unreal, uh, with the whole light show and then superimposed it. I don't know if duck lights was a part of it. I don't, I don't remember. Duck lights was doing a bunch of that stuff during the pandemic. Yeah. I don't remember who exactly was doing it, but basically it was, yeah, it was the whole festival. And so they did basically had Martin Garrix's performance on the stage. And then in Unreal, they were doing all the camera shots, all the programming and all that. So you could dial it in as much as you wanted in post, technically. I had forgot about that. I went to his warehouse because he's in LA and um, I was having lunch with him. And he showed me through all the stuff that they were doing. And I had totally forgotten that that actually happened during the pandemic. But it was really, really interesting. And people were paying subscriptions to like view it at their home wherever Mm. they wanted to throw a party. And it was massively successful. See, that's what we need to do now is just sell virtual lights instead of real ones. It sounds a lot easier. <laughs> so maybe the, uh, actually this was great. Maybe this can be like our cold opener. It can be like a Saturday Night Live thing and play this part first and, and then kind of roll into the, the intro. Um, so on that note, uh, guys, welcome to the next MXU Lighting Podcast. Um, I'm Daniel Pinnell. Um, I'm excited about this one, uh, kind of different set of, of guests on this one, and this one's uh, I'm kind of bringing it home a little bit. Um, in case you don't know, uh, I don't, you know, MXU is not really a job for me. It's, uh, you know, something we do as a volunteer to, uh, basis to help uh, grow the, the church production community and anyone else who's trying to learn about production. My real job is uh, helping lead the team here at DC Pro, and that's who the podcast is with today, is uh, my leadership team here at DC Pro. Uh, some of them you may have seen in previous videos um, or just know from social media or things of that nature. Uh, just in case you don't, we'll go through and, and introduce everybody real quick. We'll kind of just start here and go uh, uh, clockwise around the room. Uh, Tyler, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself? Hi. I'm uh, <laughs> I'm a Pisces. Jeez. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I like to fish. and Actually, I don't know. I don't I, know why I, I said that. I don't, I don't think you've ever... I don't like to fish. Yeah. No. Uh, I think I'm actually a Scorpio. I don't actually... I don't know. My birthday's mm. in November. Doesn't matter. You're there Satanist. you go. That's uh, uh, yeah. So astronomist, astrologist, whichever it is. <laughs> uh, yeah, I am. What's my title now? VP. VP Tyler is vice president of the company. Yeah, which means uh, he runs everything while I go ride around in my tractor. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now I lead directly our sales and install teams. I'm also responsible for a lot of our like internal processes and software, how we use what we use, how we interact with things from our rental software to sales quotes to Basecamp for internal communications, how we handle all those things. Uh, I am also the A of DC Pro LVA. <laughs> I am the one audio guy in the room. That can mean audio. That can mean other things. Well, mm. Hey. Yeah. I'll take it. Yeah. Leave it up to the imagination. Somebody needs to be bad cop. <laughs> yeah. uh, man, something I think will be interesting to add in here. Uh, how did you and I meet and what did you do before DC Pro? Yeah. So we met, what's it? 10 years ago? 2012, now? I believe. 2011, right? 2012. Yeah. I did the internship at Church on the Move. Yep. 
got to work really heavy with uh, Daniel and Chico over there building stuff and making some custom lights and programming and things like that. I was at a small local church before that, and my lighting experience was uh, the youth pastor came up and said, hey, our lighting board got hit by lightning. We bought this thing called Mighty MX One. <laughs> Services in six hours. I heard you're good with computers. And that's where I got started. And I went from that to a Granime One full size, yep. having you teach me how to run everything. Yep. Back in the old days. Yeah. Yep. Super the fun. Big, the big yellow buttons. Yeah. And what'd you, what'd you do? So that was 2012. Mm-hmm. You uh, started working with DC Pro. I think you were employee number three, if I remember right. Yes. Yep. And uh, you, that was January of 2019? January no, 2020. 2020. That's right. right. Before everything right. shut right. down, yeah, right. I quit yeah. doing <laughs> freelance stuff and yeah. hopped on the bus with the team. Man, there's a good whole timing. podcast right there. Yeah. Uh, it actually was good timing. But so, what'd you do between uh, the COTM internship and uh, joining DC Pro in 2020? Yeah, between that, uh, I was on staff at a church in Oklahoma City for about a year and a half. Uh, I worked at a production company in Edmond for like nine months and then had a LD buddy that I met while being on staff at that church. And he said, hey, I think you could do this whole freelance thing. Like you've got skill set, you've got aptitude, you've got drive. Let's try to make this a thing. If you'll take the risk, I'll give you work for at least six months. So did that, uh, 2015, moved back to Tulsa, and my plan was to do this fun lighting side hustle thing and work for my dad full-time, and I worked for my dad for 31 days total <laughs> out of the year. And I was like, hey, wow. maybe I can maybe I can actually do this thing. And uh, I realized we never talked about this. I know you did a lot of, you freelance for a lot of non-church things, but would you say the bulk of your freelance work was still in the church world, kind of helping pull off bigger events for them and things of that nature? It was about half and half. Yeah. Um, I do a chunk of stuff. Um, I did a ton of stuff for a church out of Tulsa called Battle Creek mm-hmm. um, to the point that I had people ask what I did on staff. Yeah. I was like, no, I'm just here every weekend and <laughs> three days out of the week. Um, so did a ton of stuff with them. Also did a ton of like local, regional, festival, things like that. Did a couple festivals out in Muskogee, did a handful of conferences off and on, did some work for other integration companies as their pinch hitter of like, hey, so we're behind schedule and I need to get a PA down and a new PA up and tuned. You have nine days. Yeah. Great. Get me a plane ticket. That's awesome. Yeah, no, that was great. Uh, Point I really want to drive home there is you have a lot of experience, not just in one church, but in a variety of churches from a variety of different standpoints, right? Inside, outside, lighting, production manager, mm-hmm. all that, and then also bring to it some, uh, you know, more just uh, mainstream industry experience as well of doing shows for some of those other production companies at OKC and, and all that. So, yeah, nice. One, cool. One cool. of the cool things it gives me is I know from both sides of the fence how all the pieces fit together because exactly. I haven't just been a lighting guy, I haven't just been an audio guy, I've done video, I've done stagecraft, I've built random sets and parts and things like that. So yeah. being able to communicate well on other rental companies, other integrators with churches, with volunteers, like, hey, I can confidently say no matter where it is, I've probably been in your shoes. Yep. Here's how this all kind of works together well. And knowing that about you is kind of one of the reasons I put you in the position we did here. Because, uh, uh, you know, you and, you know, obviously people still think of us as mainly a lighting company, which we are. In a lot of ways, we're still, mm-hmm. you know, that's definitely the higher percentage, 
But uh, as we started branching into more of the audio and video side, that was the important part of bringing you in, as well as bringing Brian in that we'll get to here in a minute, because uh, you and he together kind of helped round out that V of the company as well, the, the video side of it. But um, well, it's awesome. Thanks, man. Uh, moving along, uh, Lucas, what are you doing here? Just kidding. <laughs> Man, that's a good question. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, Lucas. Uh, so, Lucas, you've been with the team uh, officially. Are we saying November, last November? November. November yep. 2021. Uh, you worked with us some before that. But, yeah, man, uh, give us a little bit of your background as well. Man, it can go so deep in so many directions. No, um, just keep, but, it, keep it shallow and basic. We're not yeah. interested in all the details. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am your resident pastor's kid. So, mm-hmm. I, resonate, I resonate well with... A lot of the churches where you've got the guy who is doing it all. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's the worship leader. He's the sound guy. He's the pro presenter guy. He sets up the lights on Sunday. Um, I understand exactly what those guys go through on a daily basis because I've been doing it since I was 15 years old up until literally I moved here to Oklahoma. Yeah, and that's um, a big reason we brought you in is literally for that spot because that's actually not something that I or, or Tyler or anybody else here really understands well. So we wanted to have someone who understood that part of the culture because that's a huge part of our client base. Yeah. We want to make sure we knew how to meet them where they're at and deal with it. So not to derail you there or take over, but yeah. No. Um, that, I mean, that's turned into a lot of self-made things. You know, when you're in a small church, uh, you have to look outside to try to educate yourself um, through podcasts, through, uh, well, back then, through conferences and different things of going to, um, you know, the Seeds blogs that you guys did. I mean, I knew you long before uh, you ever knew who I was. And mm. I think a lot of people did back then, especially because the we didn't have a whole lot of resources to go get things. And so when we found one, we stuck to it like glue. Yeah, there weren't Facebook groups back then no. and, and things of that nature. There weren't as many, there weren't as many, especially there were, I don't know if there were any church production focused conferences. Maybe WFX was going. But if it was, like I, I said, there I weren't about any it. good. <laughs> I think I can say that. I don't think we're connected at all. Actually, WFX doesn't exist anymore. So no. I think they've traded it to something else. So I can talk bad about it. <laughs> anyway, sorry, keep going. No, so um, so that, that has led me through a multitude of things. I, I found my love for lighting and realized that uh, I'm good at doing lighting for worship because I was primarily a worship leader first. Mm-hmm. And so being able to take how I feel about worship as, as far as a, a leader and then taking that to the lighting console and helping to invoke that same um, kind of emotion and response and set the atmosphere in the room for what I was trying to also do from uh, from a worship leading aspect, being able to say, you know, you can also lead worship from the tech booth. Um, and people often think that worship leading is only done from the stage. Yep. It takes the whole team to Absolutely. really pull off uh, a worship environment and to help lead the the congregation in that. Um, and then, I mean, we just went through a bunch of different uh, you know transitions in life from working at a production company that primarily focused on house of worship and uh, the worship music industry. Mm-hmm. Um, I was at a company in LA called DPS. And uh, I was on the worship side there. A lot of people here might know um, Eddie Superman, who does Concept Pixels. He and I were there together. And, um, I mean, we did Hillsong tours, Bethel tours, you name it. Um, and then that came to a crashing halt for um, for that company. And one of my clients was a larger church. Um, I was from Los Angeles, so out in uh, the desert area called Ranch Cucamonga. And they wanted to bring me on. And so I said yes. And so I transitioned from um, my dad's small community church to 
a church of 10,000 people Ooh. and nowhere in between the two of those. And now I'm <laughs> the production manager slash lighting designer um, in charge of all things and taking them from 2005 to 2015 or 2017, whatever uh, time frame that was. And so that was a wild transition of going from, you know, very little budgets, very little anything to, hey, we're trying to do something that we've never done yeah. and take them from, you know, palm trees and uh, beige curtains on stage and fountains to lights, haze, and LED walls. Isn't that transition fun, though? It was so fun. That's like, what, it's probably one of the most rewarding times I've had in my life as far as doing production yeah. because you literally take something from nothing and are said, here's where I want you to go. Like, yeah, I have a vision, but I want you to share in the vision. And run with it and then create something that everybody is happy with. And the church is still going that direction today. That's awesome. Um, I had really good leaders that were you know, proponents of me and championing me because it's the direction they wanted to go. And I was in line with, with that. And you know, when you go in the same direction together, big things can happen. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Then from there, I went to uh, work for uh, Harmon as uh, the time ended there and became the house of worship uh, business development manager along um, with another person who you've had on this podcast, Daryl Sutton. Mm -hmm. um, he brought me on the team there and um, that was all going great until the pandemic happened. Yep. And here we are. Yep. And uh, we absolutely uh, still, you know, we love Martin and Harmon to death and he's turned their stuff. So this isn't a negative comment, but I will say they're, uh, in this case, their loss is my gain. They, you know, <laughs> when the pandemic, they had to cut some staff like a lot of our industry did and uh, you know, unfortunately for them, uh, your division was part of that. Fortunately for us, yep. they gave us an opportunity to go, hey, Lucas, how do you feel about Oklahoma? <laughs> and so you've been out here. about it now. Yeah. So you feel great about it now? Yes. That's good. You've actually almost been through a full cycle of the weather out here and you still feel great about it. So, so like yeah. what? Two weeks? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Accurate. Um, yeah. So you and your family moved out here in November and you... Um, you work with Tyler in our sales department, helping drive a lot of that. Uh, right. Main reason being, you know, with your background, it gives you a lot of perspective into these smaller and medium-sized churches. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of times you'll, uh, you know, you'll bring another perspective to that that maybe the rest of us don't have just because of what our personal uh, experience is. So that's been ultra valuable. And then from your time working for DPS in California, you've got some rental background mm -hmm. as well. So a lot of times when people call us for rentals, they're talking they're to me. with you, which I think that's going to be one of our main topics today. I probably should have said this in the beginning, guys. We're going to, you know, rentals uh, have become much more popular uh, in churches in the past 10 years. And I think it's still an area where especially a lot of people that are new to the industry uh, don't have a ton of experience. So that's kind of what we're going to be getting into. And, you know, that's why Lucas is on us. Uh, he he uh, handles a lot of that for, for DC Pro here. Um, kind of bringing it all the way back around, uh, sitting here on the couch with me. I got Brian, uh, which Brian was actually employee number one here. Uh, we had him as a part-time employee for uh, a few years while he was still working a full-time job somewhere else. And then we were finally able to uh, do some some horse trading with with that organization and uh, and uh, get him over here full-time. So, man, tell us uh, a little bit more about you, where you come from. Yeah, so uh, like Daniel said, uh, I was employee number one. So I remember when we started in a small thousand square foot warehouse. Yeah. It was just me and him and I'd work in in my free time. Uh, on, the, on the good months, I could afford to turn the air conditioner on. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> months, that was January. Propane but, heater. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I kind of started uh, from a little different way. I kind of started in a decent sized church, about a 5,000 member church. It was kind of my first introduction into kind of bigger production. 
Um, I had grown up in like super small Methodist church, like less than a hundred members. So like, I didn't realize that there was this whole nother side of the industry that was uh, obviously a lot of these bigger churches. Um, so uh, when we, my family, we basically left the church we were at and started looking for another church. And like we were, they were, my parents were kind of like, not completely against mega churches, but kind of wanted to stay away from them. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I remember we we visited this one church and for some reason, my parents, they connected right away. It was about a church of 5,000 members. And uh, that was the church that they ended up falling in love with. And I remember the first thing that I, when I walked in, the first thing I noticed was the lighting. And I was like, holy cow, like, what is this? Because my previous church, it was like stained glass windows with pipe organs and stuff. And what part of the country was this? Uh, this was in South Texas. Uh, I I was born in Texas, uh, spent most of my life in South Texas. And so, um, but yeah, the first thing I remember is all the lighting and stuff. And I remember like, wow, that's, that's really cool. That's really interesting. Um, I ended up... Uh, wanting to can get connected and involved in the church. And I ended up uh, getting more connected into the broadcast side of the church. So a lot of their TV ministry that they were doing, a uh, mixture of camera hopping, which then led to like doing small directing and stuff like that over time. Um, when I graduated high school, I actually was doing a lot of video editing for the church and they actually ended up hiring me as an editor. Um, so I was doing that for a while while going to college. Um, I quickly realized that uh, like video editing is fun, but it wasn't like something that I was super passionate for. And I kind of feel dumb thinking about this now, but I don't know why for some reason it never clicked for me when I was like in high school and stuff that you could do live production as a career. Yeah, I had been to concerts, I had been to shows, I had been to all that other stuff. And like for some reason never like registered like, oh, there are people that do lighting and get paid for it. And that's all they do. Um, And so then I ended up uh, wanting to do a career pivot at that point. And I started looking around and like, okay, well, how do I get my foot in the door uh, with production with lighting? Uh, I looked at the typical stuff. So like Full Sail University, uh, started looking for like different production companies to work for. Um, and then I saw this crazy church in Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, fly a guy for Christmas and then do some massive kabuki scrim drop, massive projection mapping. And if you don't know, this was Church on the Move. Um, and I noticed that they had an internship, and so uh, which at the time is called the next internship. So I was like, "Holy cow, I want to be a part of that." Um, so I ended up uh, putting in my application, ended up getting accepted. Uh, so I went into the next internship. That's actually where I met Daniel. This was 2014, 2015, hmm. um, and that's when I like I had some past experience with lighting and theater in high school and at the, that church that I was working at. But uh, going to COTM was like my first big initial push into lighting. And that's what really showed me that, oh, this is what I really wanted to do. So yeah, I did the internship for about a year. Um, then at the end of that, I ended up going back to that church in South Texas uh, where I was uh, an interim TV, TV director uh, along with the actual lighting director. Uh, they, were, they were in between looking for a TV director. Uh, once they hired the TV director, the TD actually ended up quitting. Uh, so I got gifted the interim TD. So I was doing a handful of mixture roles of being the TD and doing all the lighting design for this church. Um, and then uh, did that for about two or three years. Uh, and then uh, one day, Andrew Stone reached out to me and called me and asked me if I was interested in moving back to Tulsa to become the full-time LD, Church on the Move. And I said, absolutely. Um, and so 2018, moved to Tulsa. Uh, actually, Daniel beat me moving back to Tulsa by about a week, mm-hmm. uh, which we kind of joked about. Yeah, it was September 2018. Yep, and I was slightly after that um, by a few by like a week, and so um, but yeah, moved back to Tulsa. Um, was basically the lighting designer for Church on the Move uh, till uh, twenty twenty one. Uh, 
yeah, I want to say it was 2021. And that's when I switched over from being uh, part-time with Daniel and full-time with Church on the Move to being full-time with DC Pro. And sort of part-time with Church on the Move, although it's <laughs> contracted with DC yeah, Pro. Yeah, so now it's contracted. That was the horse trading is uh, by me getting you as a full-time employee, we had to take on their lighting programming every weekend for them. Yeah, so, so we still handle all their programming, all their design and stuff yeah. like that. It's just where I spend the week at has shifted. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, and last thing, uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna prod you on this just because I think it'll be fun stuff to talk about real quick. So, what have you been working on lately for us? Um, so uh, if you if you guys don't know, I'm actually my I guess my official title is I'm the lead designer yep. of DC Pro. So a lot of that entails I handle a lot of the uh, conceptual design stuff from the creative standpoint. I also help uh, Tyler with some of the like install design stuff just because of some of the 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 stuff that I'm good at. Um, and I do a lot of the programming and events side of that, uh, of what we do as a company. And so, uh, have a handful of stuff we've been working on as a company. Um, some of the bigger items were, uh, one of the things that we have started taking on with our friend, Tony Franson is, uh, programming for one Republic. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've been handling a lot of that, uh, doing programming for them for their, their one-offs. They had a huge run of one-offs in June, uh, and then also uh, their USA tour that they just happened and uh, they just kicked off. Uh, that's a great show. You should check it out. Uh, I'm not saying that because I programmed some of it. <laughs> uh, but um, uh, it, it is. We can all attest. Yeah. Yes. It's a, it is a really good show. You got to do a fun show in Atlanta a few weeks ago with some decent sized names. Yeah. And so uh, that was another project that came up. We did a, uh, this was also in, uh, with working with Tony Franson and Scott Moore at Go Live Productions. Uh, we did a uh, and a benefit in Atlanta at Mercedes Benz. They call it the Beloved Benefit, which is just a huge benefit dinner for uh, nonprofits of Atlanta. Uh, where, uh, uh, if you guys don't know, Brian Jenkins was a part of because he's with uh, the performers who were Usher and Maroon Five. So it's pretty cool to work with their production crews and stuff like that to throw off of this event. Um, some other stuff. At the beginning of the year, we got to work on a. Space project, which is kind of oh yeah, I forgot about crazy. That one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So at the beginning of the year, we uh, we uh, partnered with a friend of ours, uh, Paul, uh, that uh, we were brought in to help with the broadcast and streaming side of a uh, project for a company called Axiom Space out of Houston. Um, Axiom is basically a commercial astronaut agency or company. Um, they basically are providing commercial astronauts for different companies for NASA and stuff like that. And so they were running their first, the first ever fully commercial manned mission to the International Space Station. So they brought us in to do some encoding stuff between them and SpaceX, who was providing the rockets. And then also some, we were doing some like daily broadcast streaming to some of their social platforms during the week of just project updates and stuff like that. And so, but those, those were kind of some of the bigger ones yeah. that we've done this year. Uh, big dive into XR is kind of another thing that we've been diving into as a company. Yep. Um, but yeah, it's been been a busy year so far with mm-hmm. the combination of events picking up. And in the middle of all that, you're helping a lot of our uh, church friends and clients with designs we're working on for them. That's a big part of this week is uh, working on one with our, our good buddy uh, Tommy up at uh, Eagle Brook. So definitely full plate and an interesting variety of, of projects. Yep, so, it's constantly changing. <laughs> well, uh, don't want to go down this rabbit hole because I'll end up completely derailing the podcast. But uh, if you guys didn't catch on to that, I want to point out an interesting thing uh, from those introductions. Uh, yes, two of the guys running my company uh, were interns of mine uh, in a uh, church production internship program called Seeds. I'll let you dig into that a little bit more and find the interesting uh, 
biblical principles in that one, uh, but that's not one that uh, is lost on me at all and one I'm super, super, super thankful for. But uh, kind of getting us back on topic. Uh, yeah, I wanted to make sure everybody got to meet everybody real quick, everyone knew everyone's backgrounds, because uh, I think it's important to understand what they all particularly bring to this conversation. Uh, so again, what I want to talk about today is, is rentals, equipment rentals. Um, equipment rentals have become more and more popular in the church world. You know, when I started uh, working with churches in uh, 2006, and I'd done a few little small ones before then, but not that's not that was, wasn't predominantly what my job was. But when I started at, at Church on the Move, um, it was me and, and Andrew Stone there, and you know, he and I came in with a touring background, and um, they hired him about a year and a half before me. So when when I got brought on board, we sat down with the creative creative director at the time, who was Whit George, who's now the executive pastor, and. Uh, Wit kind of said, okay, well, we've got Andrew, you know, professional production manager, audio engineer. Now we've hired Daniel, professional line designer. Uh, we obviously need some equipment because what we had at the time was a Hog 1000, which for those of you who don't know, it was still part of the Hog series of consoles, but it was like mm-hmm. a little baby intro version. It was actually a great console, but it was underpowered for anything significant. Um, had two, uh, two DMX universes. That was it? That was it. Two DMX outs. Wow. Back in the old days, that's all we needed, man. <laughs> um, well, you know, the, the Hog 2s only had four. I, uh, I didn't realize that. Then you had to buy something called a, uh, it wasn't an overdrive. It was a, it had some corny name to match with the whole flying pig thing. Now I'm going to derail this real quick. I'm trying to remember. It was a, <laughs> I'm going to remember this in a minute and I'm just going to yell it and uh, randomly at the completely wrong time in the podcast. I'll think about that. Anyway, uh, coming from the, you know, coming from doing shows and stuff. So they said, Oh, and we owned, we owned the Hog 1000. We owned uh, four Verilite VL1000s and four VL2402s. And the only reason we had those is they had actually bought those for the youth building. And we had pulled them back into the main building kind of when I started first doing some stuff for them. So we had some kind of moving lights to mix in with all our conventional parkings and Fresnels. So they, the creative director came and said, okay, guys, how much we need to put a budget in to be able to buy equipment. What do we need to buy? Now, keep in mind, again, this is 2007. This is... Church production wasn't, didn't look anything like what it does now. There weren't a lot of other people to look at to see what they were doing. So Andrew and I said, it was probably mainly Andrew that said this, but, uh, said kind of, what do you want to do? We don't even know what this is supposed to look like yet. You know, when, we, when we're doing a tour, we start with a design, and then we go figure out how to source the gear. But that's the other thing is no, no bands really own their gear and take it with them. It's all rented tour to tour. Mm-hmm. So Andrew said, we don't really know what you want to do yet. We don't know how big this needs to be. We, we don't know. So why don't we just rent some stuff like we do on tour for a while? Um, and point of that for anyone that doesn't know, and this is some of what we want to share in the podcast is when you rent things for a longer term, you should be getting a much better rate as part of that. So, you know, if, if you go in and go, we want to rent some moving lights well, for how long? Well, we'll start with a month. And at the end of that month, we may add another month. At the end of that month, we add an, may add an, another month. You're not going to get a great rate with that. If you come in and go, Hey, we want to rent some moving lights for, six months, you can negotiate a much, much better rate. Um, and, you know, I'll, I'll shut up in a minute and let one of you guys jump in. Um, but, you know, the other part of why I thought this would be interesting to talk about is we are now a rental company ourselves. So we are all guys who have been on the customer side of this and dealt with uh, needing the rentals. And now we're a company on the renting side. And that's actually part of the reason we think that's done well in the company is those, because we understand it, we actually build it and target it towards churches. But, um, and we understand the, the rates side of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but so we went in and just started negotiating uh, longer term rentals. Um, and to this day, Church of the Move still does that. It's, it's, 
modified over time. It's adjusted. It's kind of changed exactly what all uh, what all they do it for. And we've learned a lot about ways to structure it better and everything of that nature. But since then, more and more churches are, are wanting to do that. They've seen that model. They've seen other people do it. Like I'm not saying Church in the Move invented it or that we invented it there, but uh, maybe popularized it, I feel like would be a, a fair term. Yeah. Um, That's the reason I did it. There you go. So, um, you know, I guess maybe a great place to start is what makes it worth a church looking at doing rental instead of purchase and what, what doesn't, um, y'all got anything you'll start with there? I think some of the, the, the biggest thing that a lot of that makes it appealing. Um, obviously a lot of it is the flexibility. Um, a lot of people like the fact that you're not locked into the gear that you, you have, uh, cause it is, it is changeable. Uh, obviously once uh, rental terms end and stuff like that, um, is one of the biggest thing. And that, I think that was one of the other reasons why church on the move liked it so much was the fact that we could pivot as fast as we wanted. Cause we could go from, Oh, well this set has, you know, 24 profiles to the next set. You know what? We just want wash fixtures. We, yeah. don't, we don't care for profiles or this, or we even like, Oh, well this set had a lot of fixtures in it. And this next set, we want a lot of led. Uh, so we were able to pivot and adjust for that. And we're never locked into like, well, this is what we have. This is what we have to adjust for. Yeah. And, uh, and I think a lot of that uh, helps with like the design side of it too. And allowed for a lot of the creativity that uh, we were able to push out of church on the move was just the fact that it's, we weren't fixed to a certain amount of gear or even stuff like that. Or even the side of two of like, say there is a bigger event or a bigger occasion coming up that you want to add just a little bit of extra touch to it. Yeah. Uh, rental is a great option for that. Yeah. And at that point you're kind of switching to more of a short term rental, but hopefully if you have a good relationship with your rental company, they're going to give you some extra pricing because it's like, well, we're already renting stuff to you all year long anyway. Uh, then when you add some extra stuff for a Christmas or something like that, you should be getting some kind of extra discount for the relationship there. So uh, point on that one, I think is important to drive home is, you know, there are churches out there where the flexibility is not important. They don't, um, they don't need to change things as often. Maybe the creative team isn't, uh, that's not as an, an important part of what the church does. You know, a lot of churches out there, the, the creative team, I won't say they're as involved in communicating the message as the pastor is, but definitely, you know, involved in the style and the tone and everything outside of the message. Some of them I've met are actually very involved in developing the message as well. And a lot of those where you, you have that heavy involvement can really tap into that flexibility and, and go, well, having a set that works, looks this way for this teaching series, uh, is important for, you know, insert reason here, whatever. Right. And that was the case definitely at Church of the Move is especially through cycles throughout the year, going into Christmas, going into Easter, uh, we would uh, stylize the set design towards what the style of the messages was going to be to help support that. So if you are a church that doesn't do that, then rental may not be a right decision for you because the flexibility isn't important. Is that? Yep. Awesome. Um you know, financial side. I don't know if one of y'all want to dive into that side. That's one where I get asked a lot uh, if renting is really cheaper than buying. That's a place I get confused a lot. Yeah. Or, I, I get confused a lot. I think people get confused a lot. Is uh, They look at it and think it's a financial uh, benefit, and it's really not. Um, we tried to do a bit of a cost analysis at one point, and best we could come up with is uh, we felt like we were probably paying 15 to 20% more for a rental than we were for a similar purchase um, over time. 
but we felt like what we got out of that made that worth it. Uh, one of the things being flexibility. Was other, uh, what were some of the things, Lucas, you guys found that made the rentals worth it at your church in Rancho yeah. Cucamonga? So the reason I just that, like saying Rancho Cucamonga. Rancho Cucamonga. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. Shout out to Friday, the movies. Yeah. Um, the reason it's so was so enticing for us and for me was, um, number one, I'd been following Seed's blog. And so mm-hmm. when I came into the, into the church, like I already knew that, hey, there is an option here mm-hmm. for us to acquire a large amount of gear really fast without blowing the CapEx budget. Yeah, And that's a big thing that I think people um, struggle with is when they have set amount of budget and it's like, well, this is how much you have. Well, I can only get X with that amount. Um, and you're expecting or you're... You, some are expecting, some are wishing for a bigger impact than what you can get with that CapEx budget when mm-hmm. you try to purchase equipment. But if I take that CapEx budget and I say, you give me this every year, well, we can have this, this yeah. grandioso type of, uh, of lighting design. Um, and so that was a big factor in it for us. The other factor was we didn't have staff. Now, I don't know how you you guys did it, Church on the Move. We had very little staff. There was a period of time where I was the only lighting person there. Yep. And we had too. one, two, three, at least three venues at the main site that had significant lighting in them. Mm-hmm. And we had a couple at a satellite site that had significant lighting. And I was I was the operation. I was the maintenance. I was everything, uh, except for when we bring volunteers to maybe help with a set change. But the week-to-week stuff, I did it all. So mm, having yeah. it where I didn't have to deal with a repair. And I think this is what you're leading to. I don't mean to jump here. Yep, I'll, nope, I'll shut up and let you continue. But you're yeah. going there. Yeah. That's exactly it. Because I mean, yeah, you do mention that there is a cost expenditure of you know, X going to the rental side versus the purchase side. Mm-hmm. But when you calculate in the employee cost, mm-hmm. the man hours to upkeep equipment, sure, when it's brand new, you're not going to have issues. Year three, year four, year yeah. five. Year right about the time the warranty stuff. goes out. And it's usually about when it starts. Yeah. And so what does that cost you? Yeah. What, what, how does that factor into things? Because you're not even going to, most churches aren't going to be accounting for those things yeah. like from the jump. Um, and so that was a big thing when you start saying it's going to cost X for staff. It's going to cost X for this. Well, it kind of shakes itself out, especially when you're doing the rental model and you say, like for us, we did uh, 12 month models mm-hmm. and we didn't change the gear at all within those 12 months. Uh, and so when that would change over, well, now we would change in 12 months. Now we have a whole new set of fixtures. Also within that, anytime a fixture did break or fail, I just sent it back to the company and they sent me a new one Yeah, uh, within the week. Now we need to, uh, I want to stop you there and, and just stress for a second. But if people do start looking into rental stuff because of, of this podcast, things like that, you need to make sure you discuss that with your rental company up front. Mm-hmm. Um, and make Absolutely. sure that's negotiated that way. One of the things we used to tell people, because even when I was still working at the church, other churches would come to us and ask for advice on, on how to, to do this. And we'd share it with them. And this with LED fixtures now, this isn't the case anymore. Back then, I would tell them, make sure you negotiate lamp changes into your rental because uh, lamp changes and moving lights need to happen. It was average every like six to 800 hours usually. Um, and I would say negotiate it up front, like make it where if I'm going to rent these for, me, for a year from you, they have to come to me with brand new lamps in them. Don't send me whatever. Like, I don't care if the lamp only has 200 hours. You take it out, you put it on your shelf as a spare lamp, and you put all brand new lamps in for me. That is one. And again, I don't think anybody's going to encounter that anymore. But at the time, I would say that's 100% a negotiable item that you should be negotiating with the vendor. Absolutely. And then when you tell them, I will track the hours and I will uh, do the lamp changes myself, but you have to provide new lamps for me at the right time. 
Because again, if you're keeping them for a year, chances are you're going to have at least one lamp change in there. And with the old arc lamps, you didn't wait for them to blow. You needed to change them at hours or when they blowed or the blue, they might explode and take out the reflector and everything. Yeah. So that was part of my negotiation with the vendor as well. I'd say, look, I'm going to, I will watch these and I will change them at the right time so that your reflector and heat shield and everything else inside the light doesn't get damaged from this bulb explosion, uh, hopefully. However, you have to provide the bulbs to do it because moving light bulbs were 200 to $400 and multiply that by 12, 16, 24, however many you have in your rig. Absolutely. And that got expensive fast. So sorry, I, I derailed no, that, you a little bit there. That's one thing that we didn't negotiate in, honestly. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I didn't have all brand new lamps when they came to me mm-hmm. um, and I didn't have a, a lamp deal in there. Now, I had a really good rate on my lights. So um, unfortunately for me, I did have to deal with a lot of lamp explosions yeah. and things because also, um, and, and I'm not going to mention the name of the company. Please don't. Uh, but the lamp hours were not reset on the fixtures. So mm-hmm. I didn't know when I got them out of the gate, you know, how many hours were on these lamps mm-hmm. and things like that. And so I was actually replacing lamps quite frequently uh, in the beginning. Um, and then I decided I'm going to do a full changeover. And when we did a full changeover, then I started doing, you know, replace every 700 hours. We had Vipers at that time. Yeah. So Viper lamps were quote unquote good for a thousand hours, but don't run them past seven or eight. Right. We always had to change them to 750. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so that was, that was the big deal for, for us there. But the other thing with the rental thing is we were also having a, we were running a Vista console mm-hmm. initially and we wanted to switch over to uh, a grand MA. Well, we couldn't afford to buy, uh, you know, an MA light or full, mm-hmm. um, so one of the things I negotiated with my rental uh, company was, hey, we want to keep doing our same dollar amount, but I need a new console. Here's the console I want. Help me figure out a rental package that I can now replace that's still going to give me the bang. Yeah. It may not be as great of fixtures or you know whatever have you, but I'm not going to have a console crashing or, or lagging on me. I'm going to have a solid console. I can train people that can go out and do this professionally now. Yeah. That was a big thing that I, that I wanted. That was my... Um, personal thing was that I wanted to be able to vocationally train people to now be able to have some tools in their belt to go create a career for themselves if they should want to. Um, and people have, you know, and, and that was a big thing. So I was able to negotiate that with my rental company yeah. because I had a different vision that I wanted to accomplish. They helped me accomplish it. And that's a win that I couldn't necessarily do with a CapEx purchase because I didn't have the CapEx budget sure. there to, to do that. Man, you said a few things there that I think bring up really, really good points. So I want to, hopefully you don't forget these when we hit all of them, but, uh, so it sounds like your CFO of the church was on board with this approach, right? 100%. Okay. I was like, I can see you shaking your head, but people listen. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Too, so, yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, that's a crucial thing because the way you spend your money uh, as a production team, it really helps if your CFO is on board with that because um, some CFOs look at this and I've encountered this of going, well, no, we look at it as a waste of money because we're spending money on stuff we don't get to keep. Maybe don't see some of the advantages outside of that, or maybe those advantages outside of that aren't valuable for that church the way they are for other churches. I've had other CFOs that go, and this is also has a lot to do with the way that church finances usually operate. And they go, so I only know, or I'm, so I only have to have this much budgeted for you every month, kind of in perpetuity, and I never have to have two hundred fifty thousand dollars set to the side to buy you know a new moving light package with. And they really like that approach. Right. Some don't. It goes both ways. That was topic one. Uh, oh, man, I may have already lost topic two. Oh, you um, – actually, let me say this. Well, this was kind of topic three, but I think it's important to hit at this point. Um, we're talking about a lot of pros of rentals right now, and I want to clarify something real quick because um, I was thinking about this as you were talking. Obviously, with us being a rental company as well, 
Uh, I want to say and stress, rentals are not right for every church out there. And uh, we are all proponents, which is, I think, why we've been able to build up a part of our company that does this well, because we, we get it and we know how to do it well. And we, we experience the benefits of it on the customer side and the pitfalls of it on the customer side, which maybe we can get into some of that in a minute. Um, but uh, I have also personally talked to churches out of doing rentals before, because there's some out there where it's just not right, and it's not what you should be doing. For example, uh, if, you're, if, you're, if your long-term rental budget would be like, $2,000 a month. You probably shouldn't do rentals. Um, it would be better at that point for you to save up some of that money, do some small purchases. And if that's the level you're at, there's probably other things in your production realm that need attention more than having a bunch of moving lights to program with. So there's probably places where your budget needs to be allocated differently. I don't really have an exact amount in my head where I'd say, okay, here's where you really need to maybe consider, uh, or not where you need to consider, but where you might consider looking at rental stuff, but I don't know. I'd say what, if they don't have at least maybe five grand a month to look at, I feel that feels like a kind of a good starting spot for me. Yeah. There's usually a couple markers that you can have. One of them is going to be that dollar amount. If you're in that like mid thousands level per month, then it's, yeah, I can yeah. usually get it. That dollar amount is arbitrary because it's based on a lot of the gear that you're trying to rent with that. If yeah. you're wanting to rent something that's uh, fancier than maybe your initial purchase budget could afford it's a great option if you're trying to rent some led wash pars you should probably go out and buy those and that kind of dollar turnover is that same range of like yeah if you want to spend a couple grand you could probably go out and buy these because these are fixtures that are going to be mainstays of your design that are going to last you for years without having a whole lot of downtime because there's only so many parts that can fail on an led par compared to a high-end profile fixture with 400 gobos. And to a point, an LED par is an LED par is an LED par. Now, we obviously know there's different levels of quality and brightness and, and you know, some have zoom, some don't. But for the most part, and this is where I think you just made a great segue to what a wonderful next talk, topic would be, what makes sense to rent? Because it's not everything. And we even right. at COTM, we never rented everything. Most churches I've, I work with don't rent everything. Uh, Tyler, you kind of started going down this road a little bit. You want to keep going and kind of talk about what we yeah. have found both on the customer side makes sense being like when we are the customer, what, what has made sense to rent as well as as a company, what we find it makes the most sense for us when we're helping churches develop mm -hmm. a rental package. Totally. Rental tends to make sense on the shorter end of the pendulum. And we're talking the 40,000 foot view. We've thrown up the term long-term rentals, yeah. but in the grand scheme of things, that would still be short. Uh, rentals make sense for really short-term things. You're going to rent special effect lighting for a certain event or Christmas or Easter. Or something. Let's define special effect lighting even more. Some people may not may think of like a standard profile moving light as special effect. So what does that mean to you? How, what context are you using? It Usually in? special effect, we're thinking of something like cold sparks or low fog or cool atmospheric effects that you wouldn't use every single weekend. Bleeding into for the majority of churches, even fixtures like beam fixtures that for the current style of modern worship, you don't see a ton of. For some fixtures, it could be, hey, we don't normally do profiles, but I want profiles for Christmas. Right. So, okay, so great. the first package of year you kind of mentioned, that would be more of a short-term rental item. Like, mm -hmm. like we're not really going to, you're not going to rent a low fog for six months, probably. Right. But then you said kind of beam effects fixture. So I'm even going to, I'm going to kind of name names here. Uh, GLP JDCs, or like the new Chave Strike M's. That is a, it's a, they call it a strobe style fixture, but we use them as like big wash fixtures that you can occasionally do special hit stuff with. Um, 
again, a GLP X bars or the new Chave PXL 16s, which we have found we freaking love and can't buy enough of. That's a linear bar fixture where it's a little bit more of a unique look that might get old over time versus like, you know, almost every rig you have is going to have some wash fixtures and some profile fixtures, but it may not always have a linear strip fixture. It may not always have a strobe wash fixture. Is that, that's kind of what you're. Yeah, yeah. That. And then like the popular thing now is like beam hybrid fixtures. Um, that kind of depends church to church. Some environments they're like, yeah, this is part of our vibe, our flavor, our look for this church is having these really high energy, punchy, tight beams every single weekend. Mm -hmm. Some of them, um, it's the Christmas at Church on the Move where they flew a guy. It was part of that look for that song, needed a whole lot of beams, but that wasn't a regular weekly flavor Mm -hmm. for Church on the Move at the time. That's why I rented Platinum 5Rs for... There you go. Only, uh, I think I think I did a... It was, I think that was a three or four month rental. We kept that set for a little bit longer, but by the end of it, we were getting sick of it because those tight beam looks, which for anybody that doesn't know, a Platinum Beam 5R from Malaysian is kind of like a clay packy Sharpie, which the clay packy Sharpies are that super tight, pencil thin, really bright beam. And yeah, by the end of it, we were sick of it because in a church environment for weekend worship, those are only so useful in certain ways. Like I got to avoid hitting people in the eyes or I just completely blind them. I have to be real careful about where I, I focused them. So anyway, uh, derailed you there a little bit, but yes, I remember that design very well. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pushing towards like the short term middle of the spectrum is things, which is a lot of the church on the move model where we want this design for a season. Yeah. And then we want something completely different. It's not, hey, we have some staples and we're going to move some fixtures around the stage and have a new stage set. It's this fixture. I want a lot of those linear fixtures and I want a lot of hard edge profiles and I want zero wash lights. Mm -hmm. And then a year or two years later, we're going to switch everything. I want all soft lights. I want no fixtures that can do gobos. I don't want anything linear. I want lots of round face fixtures. Yeah. If that's the rapid swings that your organization is going to want to be able to do, rentals is an excellent choice. Yeah. And Church on the Move does that with, right now, zero lighting people on staff. Correct. Yeah. So that's one of the reasons they're able to do that, though, is their entire package is, is rented. Yeah. As you start moving further into the longer term things, that's where rentals is, act. I would argue, actively discouraged by us of things that it's like, hey, this probably doesn't make sense. That's going to be things like you're always going to want front light yep. of some sort. Sometimes you need special front light, like, hey, we normally just do a basic stage wash with some Lecos or some Parkans. Great. You don't need to rent those. We need to follow somebody on stage for a weekend. Okay. That's you could rent that in or, hey, we want to try this gear out or we want to mm-hmm. do this thing to see if it's a good look or uh, when everything locked down and a lot of people needed to adjust front lighting and color temperature, they're like, hey, most weekends we don't stream and it's not a huge deal. No one's in the room right now and it has to look good. I need better front lighting, but I need it for like six to nine months until we can start having yep. limited capacity services again. Things like that, you're going to want to look at avoiding rentals and doing a long-term purchase. If you have mainstays in your set design, you really like a specific wash style fixture in all your designs on stage. For Church on the Move, they have the uh, Dewey bulbs. Mm -hmm. Those are such a staple that we've duplicated that at other campuses with LED versions of that. Mm -hmm. Those are things that it's like, hey, we're going to keep these for three to five years. Those are things you should look at owning because you are going to be able to stretch your money further and get more things and do more things 
in production and in your organization as a whole. Hazers. You know, if, if your church uses haze, buy your hazer. I would throw consoles into this mix, although, Lucas, you brought up an example a minute ago of where it made sense to rent a console. And I even know of one other church that has, has I'm not going to name the church because in the wrong context, this, people probably think this is stupid. They've rented their console for about 10 years now. And people go, why wouldn't you have just bought it by then? Well, because they've been through two different series of consoles. And because it's been such a long-term thing, this rental company has lowered and lowered and lowered the price. For now, the price is ridiculous. They actually offered to us, they said, do you guys want to rent us the console instead? And I looked at the price and went, no, no thanks. It would take me years to make my money back. It just so happens, this company, they're such a big company that rents it to them. It made sense. And within the 10 years that church has had it, not only have they switched versions uh, in going from one series of the console to another, I know that when their rental consoles have had any kind of issue, I mean like, oh, the fader's starting to stick a little bit, the company just sends them a new one and they send the old one back to them. I say new one, not a brand new one, but a new, a, rental, a new rental one. Yeah. And they've done that four or five times within that time. And it, it legitimately, the like if I were them, I'd keep renting it too. Yeah. It doesn't make sense for them to set down sixty, sixty-five thousand dollars $65,000 to buy this console when I'll just tell you that they're, well, I'm not going to tell you how much. They're spending very, very little a month <laughs> renting it. So it legitimately is, is a very unicorn type deal. Uh, but yeah, no, Tyler, great info there. Uh, I'll, you know, consoles, hazers, your front light. If you're a church that uses motors and trusts, like we always say infrastructure items. Yeah. Uh, it makes sense to own a lot of your own cable. Like your cable's not going to change. Your PDs, the stuff that is always going to need to be there. DMX nodes. Right. Now, what's nice with that is you can always rent some to expand on it if you only Absolutely. need it for a certain season. You know, something that we haven't mentioned yet, which I think is a valuable one, uh, churches are on a cycle and they're all kind of on the same cycle. You know, um, the when people go, when summer hits, people go on vacations. School's out, so your life is less structured. Uh, you know, oh, it's Sunday and the weather's nice. I really want to go to the lake today instead of go to church. So your church attendance drops in the summer. Uh, almost across the board, every church in the country, that's at least from what I've heard, the stats I've seen, that's generally it. Well, school starts back and you start getting a little bit more structure in your home life again. So people are like, okay, well, it's Sunday morning. Let's go to church. So you get a little bit of an increase in the fall. Then Christmas hits. And of course, you have a lot of people who only come or remember to finally start coming or whatever around Christmas. So your church attendance almost always increases at Christmas. Um, hopefully, you retain a lot of that after Christmas if we're all doing our, our jobs right. Um and then you have another boost at Easter. You know, the, what do they call it? The C&E Christians yep. um, that come in. Christers. Yep. And then, <laughs> uh, this is going to sound bad. I hate to say it this way, but it's also it's honestly just a, just a fact. There are unfortunately a lot of people who do that, and they attend church more through that time of the year, and they get connected again. They feel really good about it, and it's almost like a New Year's resolution where they have the best intentions. And then summer break hits, and everything kind of starts slowing down again. And, oh, you know, i got to mow the grass and whatever, you know, it comes up. And then we go through that cycle again. Well, uh, church giving follows that same cycle because as your attendance grows, your, your giving is hopefully going to grow with that because you have more bodies. You know, it's kind of just basic math here. Um, and uh, then in the summer, through that part of the year, it may dip a little bit. I know a lot of churches who will do rentals and map their rentals around the giving cycles because let's face it, the giving cycles is a lot of what affects budgets. I mean, hopefully you're not running your church where you're spread that thin where it's like, well, we got to, you know, we make more money in the fall, so we're going to spend all of it, you know, but I think you get what I'm saying here. Like right. it's, uh, uh, you have a little more freedom through that time. You also, um, 
if you look at all this a little bit more pragmatically, you know, and again, I know a lot of churches, a lot of people hate looking at church things from a marketing standpoint or a business standpoint. Um, and I get that and I understand some of that at the same time. It just makes sense a lot of the times. Uh, when you have more people in the seats, when you are working to retain these people who kind of float in and out and make them more, uh, you know, connected, more part of the fellowship, part of the, the community there at the church, keep them there more often, uh, investing in tools such as illustrations and things of that nature and larger events that make people want to come back more uh, is a great use of money during this time, usually, if you do it right. A lot of times, rentals are something you need there to do that. So, we, like, I know certain churches that will maybe do a small, like, base rental package throughout the whole year. And then when October, November hits, they bring in extra just to help spice everything up, get a little bit more dynamic stage environment. They can do better illustrations, better, you know, worship looks with and stuff. And then when Easter's over, kind of ramp that back down. Well, that was us. Um, You know, we had our baseline of everything that we kind of mentioned. Christmas would come. We'd have, for us, our Christmas was a whole month and a half. Like we'd have Christmas plays along with uh, Christmas Eve service, along with, you know, what, whatever have you, multiple different things that went on. Uh, and we would boost the budget. Um, also, I want to mention when we'd have those events, something that we did was we didn't just take all of that money and say, all of this is, you know, if we had, you know, $30,000 or whatever for Christmas, we didn't just say, okay, this $30,000 is going into a rental package. It's like, well, what, what do I really need to? Mm -hmm. And so I would actually take that opportunity to buy a lot of infrastructure in those seasons when it was directly tied to what I needed. So if we're doing X, Y, and Z, and it's like, well, I need this, this, and this, what parts of these do I actually really need for the, yeah? what have I needed out of what I'm going to rent? Let me take that out and see if I can actually purchase that power distro. Um, motors, truss, mm-hmm. more, more truss. A lot of churches can never have enough truss and different truss segments um, and things like that. But yeah, we, we absolutely did that. You said something in your first time you, you kind of spoke for a bit and, and something else you just said there reminded me of this topic um, that I think is very important. Um, you sounds like you really built a relationship with your vendor. Um, mm-hmm. And I would say that is something that is vitally important here of it, you know, this is going to be an ongoing thing. Whoever, if you do end up going like a rental route, um, I would say whoever you go through, and I'm, I want to be real, I want to stress this really clear here. This podcast is not a commercial for DC Pro. Uh, <laughs> so much as I'll even say, if you have a more local rental company, like rental company around you, your first goal should be working with them for a variety of reasons. It's going to be easier to get gear changed in and out. Um, there are times where having a relationship with a rental company like that also gives you access to their personnel, which can be very handy for, it's like, well, Hey, if I'm, if, if you're renting something from a place for six months for a year, and then you need extra lighting crew for loading in a a Christmas event, an Easter event or or whatever, already having that ongoing relationship with that company could be huge. It's also important for that company to get to know your needs and your long-term goals. And this is where you just, you said some stuff just now that made me kind of think about this. Um, a good company is going to get to, to know you, figure out what your needs are. And then when stuff like that comes up where you go to them and go, look, we got Christmas coming. I've got a $30,000 budget. I'd like to rent some of these things. I also need to buy some of these things. Can you help me strategize this? And a good company will come along and, and go, yeah, well, okay. So if we tweak this on your rental and then I get, because we're doing all this with you, we'll give you a discount on the purchase. If you also buy your motors, your trust or whatever you're wanting to buy from us, and get you a whole package deal as part of the thing. Or we've done this with a few people before. 
when they've gotten rented something and they're like, hey, we suddenly decided this is great and we don't want to give it up. We'll give a highly discounted purchase on a, on a sale if they've also been doing some kind of rental thing through us. Yeah. And I, and I think you, you mentioned something too. There's a difference between a customer and a client. Hmm. And at some point you, when you, when the rental company understands that this customer isn't just a customer, they're not on my client. Yeah. That changes the dynamic when there's a sense of loyalty, there's a sense of partnership, there's a sense of trust when you're trying yeah. to figure these things out. Um, you know who mine was and he was great and very close to me. Um, but he did that. Like he was able to help me strategize, just like you said, and figure these things out and help me make moves and make suggestions yeah. about what I need to do. Well, actually, you know what? I, th- I say we can name some names here, actually, because we we know some some wonderful people around the country that also do this. I, I think this may have been the one you were talking about, but they'll definitely who I start with. Uh, four wall is stinking amazing. Robbie uh, Kurtz was my guy. Yep, Robbie Kurtz is on the Nashville four wall office. He has partnered with MXU and some stuff. You know, I didn't even think about it before this podcast, but he's a real easy one to mention here. Yep, uh, because they also help us bring all of this to you guys. Help the MXU guys bring all the knowledge to you guys. But that is one I would highly, highly, highly recommend if you're just if you're in an area near a four wall office, I don't think you're going to go wrong by tapping into them. One of the reasons is the way their model is built, and we've tried to adopt something similar here at DC Pro. All their rental gear is almost always close to brand new because they cycle it over about every fourteen to eighteen months, and that's that's where UseLighting.com comes from. Mm-hmm. Um, is they sell that gear on UseLighting.com and replace it with newer gear, so you almost ha- always have gear in really new condition. Um, I can personally vouch very heavily for the Nashville uh, four wall office. Uh, for the Vegas four-wall office. I don't know who their main rental person is out there right now, but if you're kind of in that part of the country, uh, love them to death. I haven't dealt nearly as much with the LA production, LA four-wall office. Is that who you did, dealt with when you were out there? Actually, no. Robbie was with VER at the time. That's right. So so that was the, and people may not know this as well, Robbie was also my boss at DPS. Okay. So that yeah. relationship goes even further. If you don't know Robbie, you need to know Robbie. Yeah. He's, he's one of those great people in the industry that just any of us that, that get to know him are, are fortunate to get to, no fortunate that we do. Um, but he's like I said, he's four on out. VR doesn't exist, but used to do a lot of, anymore. They were bought up. Well, I guess they still do. I think they're the the <laughs> rental wing of PRG now. Yeah, they don't exist. So they don't yeah. exist. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, uh PRG, great company as well. Um here here this would be my pushback on a PRG. And you're gonna you're gonna say, like, wouldn't this be true of four wall as well? Sort of if it wasn't for certain people. What I have found is there are some behemoth companies, which PRG would definitely fall into that category. And actually, let me even preface this. PRG is an amazing company. Freaking amazing company. Love so much of what they do. If you are a smaller, medium-sized church, maybe, it'd be very easy to get lost in their systems. Mm-hmm. That would be my biggest concern there. So it'd be important to find a particular person there who has a heart for the church, has a heart for your church, is, understands the value of your rental, and is interested in, in building that relationship. Um, Four Walls done a great job of that. I will say the only, you know, if you can get, same thing, you need a relationship with the person there to really not get lost in the system. And then the only other thing, like I'm just going to use right now as an example. Right now, their gear is so busy uh, all over the country doing shows because there's such a high demand because people can't replenish gear stocks because of lead times on new purchases. Um, it's probably pretty hard at the moment to uh, to get a whole lot from them because any company has to look at it as, well, am I going to do better by renting this short-term to more clients? or by long-term, this one client where it just sets there forever. Um, so that's part of it. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything else, because this is already getting probably uh, into a long podcast here. Um, any other highlights? Like, uh, you know, so we were talking companies there. Four Walls is great. Um, 
I don't know. There's probably too many to name. Uh, I'm a personally a bigger fan of medium to smaller size companies. You, you usually get a little bit more attention. Plus, your relationship is probably more valuable to that right. company. So you're going to get more attention out of it. Any other big rental approach items you guys think we should share before we kind of start to land this plane? What if I'm a small to medium church and I've never rented before? How does this process work? What should I expect? That's great. Go find a company then go talk to them and tell them what you're wanting to do and then gauge the reaction. You know, um, they should be interested in getting to know what you're doing and, and building what you're doing. Um, if, if you don't sense a lot of interest on their side, I would turn and run. And here's why I say that. Um, I didn't understand this when I was just on the customer side. But once I started building this company, and one of the first things we started looking at was rentals, because I, I have a background in rentals from the lighting company I grew up uh, working at in my teens. And I, I looked at it and I went, you know, we had worked with some great companies over the years, and they took good care of us. But I was looking at the pricing side of it going, man, so this, this gear, it's not like it's going out on tour. It's going to go set in an air-conditioned church and probably get put up once and set there for six months and not get loaded in and out every night. Stagehands aren't going to be slamming in and out of cases, throwing it on and off trucks. Um, so it's like it's babied. No festival dirt. Right, no festival dirt, none of that. So when you get it back, it's almost in like the condition it was when you gave it to them, for the most part. That's a great value for a rental company. Um, so I look at long-term rentals with churches from a company standpoint is if you do it right and you serve that organization right, it can be an incredibly good deal for both you and the client. And I know that's the approach we try and take. There are some companies that don't see it that way. So if you don't see that that company you're going to talk to seems very interested in what you're doing and having a conversation about it and really working to get the best deal for you through that, I'd go find another one. Um, that would be a big thing for me. Because I've especially there are some smaller companies, smaller medium-sized companies I've met that for some reason don't get the value on on that side. Um, you know, then the next thing, the, the harder part would be um, gauging the financial side. You know, um, I don't know how much we can talk about some of that without getting into the weeds on this. Um, you know, all, all companies generally price rentals sort of the same way, using kind of the same method. There's, there's like two different approaches, whether you're looking at um, how many weeks you need to rent it out before you've made your return on investment or some look at it as a percentage of the replacement price. So if I, you know, if I went out, had to buy one of these again after the fact, you rent it based on a percentage of, of that. But that, the math works out the same way, uh, either way. I won't go into the details of what those percentages are, how many weeks you know, that, that type of payoff is. Um, but either way, I'll just, we'll leave it at this and maybe we'll do another podcast later on just talking about rental, uh, rental math. Um, it should be highly, highly discounted for going into that long-term rental. Uh, very heavily discounted. Depending on what the item is, is going to change what the discount is because supply and demand. If, it, if it's something that's in very high demand, yeah, you might not get as good a deal. on it. I'll give a great example because I, I know this one because it was a number that rattled around forever. Um, when I was renting, I was renting Vipers. Vipers were one of the... I guess you could say one of the top of the lines, I think the thing that came out over the Viper in 2015, 17 era was a BMFL. That was the biggest kind of yep. fixture. So Viper was kind of just, just below that a Viper at that time um, on a list price from any rental dealership uh, on the West coast, obviously people need to understand this too. Oh yeah. That's great. Um, not to rabbit trail. Geography is going to, geography is a 
beast when it comes to rental rates versus the coast from New York and oh, yeah. LA to the middle of the country. It changes what costs what where. Um, and so in LA, a lot of people's rental uh, rates on a Viper was $500 a week. <laughs> Blows my mind. Here it was probably 350 to 400 maybe. Yeah. 400. Yeah, 400. So you're talking a whole $100 Delta. When which, I was which well, actually I want to stop that for a second. Go. Not once did I ever pay $400 for a Viper for mm-hmm. a week. Neither ha- neither have I. Right. So part of that is building these relationships with these companies. Yeah. Even if it's a short-term rental, you need that relationship. All right, go. Absolutely. Ahead. My rental rate when it boiled down after I negotiated my monthly rate, what I was paying for a single Viper was $125 a month. Which was pretty average for a long-term rental from mm-hmm. one of these big companies. Uh, we were paying that from four wall. Uh, now I'll leave it nameless, but as someone we all know and other people actually recognize from this podcast, found out they actually get, were getting them at the same time for $75 a piece a week. But they are just, uh, they, this particular person and organization has an amazing knack for uh, negotiating. Um, but so that, yeah, so that's some good overview on the financial side. So circling it back around a little bit, you know, to Tyler's specifics here. A COI. This is one we encounter a lot. COI stands for Certificate of Insurance. If you're going to rent something from a company, you have to have a certificate of insurance from your organization saying that if we rent this equipment from you, it is now covered under our insurance. Um, this is something we deal with as a company. feels like almost daily a lot of the time. And this is an area where we even have trouble renting to individuals now because I need them to have a COI. Most individuals don't have a COI uh, for um, that will cover an equipment rental. So make sure you have that in line. Like your organization, I guarantee, has insurance. At least they're better. They're going to have a liability policy. As part of that, if they don't have it already, your insurance agent can add what's called an inland marine rider, which covers rented equipment, uh, owned equipment. You may send out that sort of thing, but just go talk to your insurance agent and say, we're going to want to rent a bunch of equipment. Now, flipping that back around, that rental company should be able to tell you almost instantly the value of the equipment you'll be renting so that you know how much insurance coverage you have to have for it. There's one. Uh, What are some other things? People need to know if they're just going to initially start going into rent. Here's one. Some places will car- charge you for cable for as part of your rental package. Some won't. Right. That's a negotiable item. You know, uh, we kind of do it both ways depending on who the client is. And, you know, if it's a, if it's a one-off rental, you're paying for cable. Yeah, if my, it's a, my cable is free. Yeah, if it's a long-term rental, that's an easy way to go. Eh, I tell you what, we're throwing this in. Because, I mean, cable, especially mm-hmm. nowadays, copper costs money. Oh, yeah, it does. Yeah. Um, you need to know if that rental company by default provides cable with rentals. Some yeah. places say, oh yeah, we will figure out a cable package for you. Um, whether or not it's charged, some places say, hey, cable's free, but you have to tell me what you want. And exactly. if you don't specify, you're going to get lights with no clamps and <laughs> no power cables and no data cables, and they're going to be useless. That's a great no, That's a great one. You should assume that if you don't tell them, it's not coming. So right. I would even go as far as to say, Okay, I want to rent 12, uh, you know, Chave R3Xs. I also want a safety on each one of those. I also want a uh, clamps, you know, for those lights. On top of that, I also need this package of DMX cable. I need this package of power cable for them. Um, another great example there. Power cables, or even just cabling in general, general is not standard industry-wide. So you have to know, how are you going to power this stuff? Do you also need a PD unit to go with that? Yeah. PD unit is, you know, just a, a power distribution unit. If you're also if you need a power distribu- distribution unit, do you have some way to connect to Camlocks in at your church, which Camlocks are the big power cables we use to get that main 100 amp, 200 amp, 400 amp 
Power Does your church have three phase or single phase? Oh, uh, that's a great one. Yeah, because that's we're running into that one before. Limit your power. Good what old, your capabilities are or good old Delta power if you run into a really really old building. Um, uh, I think another big one um, is storage for dead cases. People don't realize that your fixtures from rental companies come in cases, and you're not necessarily going to be able to give them back to the rental company and say, "Hey, store these for me for 12 months." Depending on who the company is, yeah. So if it's a local company, there's an advantage. Which again, I'm not trying to talk people that are not in the Tulsa or Oklahoma area and not coming to us for stuff. Uh, however, there is an there are. If you have a good local company, there are significant advantages to come with that company. One of them is just tell them up front, like, yeah, after we load in, I want you to come back and pick up your cases or we're going to deliver them back to you. Uh, hey, there's another one, delivery. It's not uh, part of most rentals. No. So if you're renting from a company that has to ship stuff, you have to uh, work that cost into everything. Here's one we've done for people, though, before. And I, this, I actually got this from us doing this back at Church of the Move on the customer side. If you do have to have stuff shipped a ways, and especially nowadays, it's going to add several thousands of dollars to it, ask the company if they'll amortize the shipping charges across the terms of the rental. So instead of paying for all that bulk up front, right. it's adding like 100, 200 bucks every month or something like that. Um, so we talked about make sure you cover everything as far as what you want, cables, stuff like that. Um, negotiating cases, like are we going to keep them on site? Are you going to come back and get them? Um, if it's a if it's fairly local, like, and I'm going to say local, like within an hour or two, uh, you ought to try and negotiate free delivery with that. Be like, you guys come drop it off. You pick it up and we're done. Uh, you should negotiate repair situations. Mm-hmm. Who's responsible for getting it down out of your rig and back to them? If it's a local company, you might be able to negotiate having them come do it. If it's not, you'll have to at least deal with getting it down and shipping it or, you know, freighting or whatever back to those people. Well, I was going to say, also another side of that repair side is, uh, talking to the company to see if they if part of their agreement is they send spare units. Yep. Because uh, some some companies as a standard they don't send spare units and it's like oh yeah you send me back the unit and I'll send you another one. Versus there are other companies where like well if you rent you know twelve units we'll send you an extra unit that is a spare unit so if one does go down you can swap that and send the other one back and so that's something that out the door you want to make sure you negotiate and understand what their process is for yeah. kind of that stuff and some companies you actually have to when you request the gear. You also have to put like, well, I want 12 units, but also include a spare. Yeah. And I would also say like, yes, all this is very valuable. Some of this, if your company is good, they should be asking you these questions. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, like, um, you know, if, if you're renting stuff for a year, you should have some spares on site, at least, at least one. Um, but, you know, again, hopefully, sorry, I... I thought of another one and it distracted me for here for a second. But uh, some of these things like cables and stuff, hopefully your person, especially if you're new to this, and express to a, a person, if you're going to talk to them, going, hey, we're new to this. We've never done it before. We're exploring the idea. Hopefully they kind of do some hand-holding and help walk you through some of this. Um, spares. This is what I kind of thought of a second ago that distracted me a little bit. This is a little bit of a pet peeve, so I want, I want to harp on this one for a minute. The Yeah, see, everybody's laughing. They know where I'm going <laughs> with this one. Uh, th- and I want to say this, I was this way before I ever owned a rental company. Spares are what the name is. It's a spare. It's not an extra unit to use when you want to. Um, we wouldn't, you know, uh, I've never done that as a, on the customer side ever. I've seen it done a lot and I've actually had people do it to us a lot. And to me, it is literally stealing, you know, and, and one of the, here's one of the reasons. We don't charge for all that spare, or we don't charge at all for spares. 
um, on, on a long-term run like that. Yeah, we we feel like, charge at them. We feel like that's part of our responsibility of making sure you have as close to 100% uptime as possible. So we provide a spare for free. There are other ch- uh, companies that provide spares at a discounted rate. Um, there's some companies that charge full for, for spares. If you're paying full price, in my opinion, you do whatever you want to with it. But you know, if you're paying a, a reduced rate, you're paying or you're not paying at all for it, that fixture should be setting aside for when you need it. Not like, oh, well, I've got eight plus a spare, which means I have nine. No, no, you don't. You have eight plus a spare. Um, uh, before we kind of wrap this thing up, any other ones you guys can think of of like, you know, stuff you wish you knew before you started negotiating rentals the first time or stuff you've ran into with customers? Yeah, we, we kind of talked about utilizing your production company. Um, you know, not having staff and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that came to mind earlier was like when I had my Christmas production, I had an audio guy and everything like that, but we also need to rent like 30 wireless mics. Mm-hmm. And the company uh, came in, um, they gave me a guy to come in and get all my wireless set up. Now, mm-hmm. for people that don't know, getting 30 wireless mics set up when you're near a big international airport for us was Ontario International Airport. Uh, that's time consuming, trying to find all the different frequencies, yeah. you know, to, to work and not cross over with each other. Um, there are value adds when you are renting from a company that go beyond the gear and the knowledge of the people that work there. Yep. And I think that people need to lean on them more, utilize them more, learn, because none of us ever know everything, but you can learn something every time that you have one of those people in your midst. When they are on your stage, you pay attention. When you have volunteers, make sure that they pay attention to whoever is in your space working because they're getting a wealth of knowledge for free. Yeah, another great example there. Uh, I love that one. And uh, yeah, if you're, again, the, that's the importance of building the relationship with a good company. Is you know, you talked a minute ago about, you know, one of the reasons you have switched consoles is, you know, in a way of sort of trying to give back to some of your volunteers of allowing them to get some training on some more, professional systems and, and things of that nature. Uh, I'm repeating what you just said, but yeah, bringing in outside contractors does the exact same thing. You're exposing mm-hmm. your team to outside knowledge. Um, and that's even when something I experienced working at a church, even though me and a lot of the guys that were on that particular team brought in outside knowledge with us, there were years where we didn't really bring in anybody else from the outside. It felt, um, it felt very closed off and we did not grow as much as, professionals in our crafts during that time because we weren't exposed to other people and ways of doing things as much. So and be corny and say iron sharpens iron. Hey, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> like it, it's not just in a spiritual sense. Like yeah. literally when you're around other like-minded people in the same industry doing what you do, it strengthens parts of you that have may have been a deficiency. Yeah. So I think we'll kind of land, land this one. Um, couple things. First off, uh, I'm going to repeat uh, what I said. Uh, rentals are not for everybody. Please don't take anything we, we said here as encouraging uh, any churches, um, you know, saying that you should go start doing rentals. There's a lot of churches out there. There's even some big ones that just because it has nothing to do with your size. It's the culture of what the goals of your church are and the way you present the gospel. To me, those are the things that uh, that's the broad overview of what can make a, a rental valuable or not. So I even hope that with some of this, some people who may have been considering rentals may back away from them now because they've discovered, well, actually maybe it's not as valuable for our approach. We've just, we've heard of places doing it so we thought we should do it. When in reality, it's like, no, we don't, we don't check off a few of those boxes. Um, the other part I'll kind of say in closing, um, so guys, this is my first one of bringing uh, kind of my team uh, onto an MXU podcast. 
Uh, I hope it goes without saying, I love these guys to death. Uh, constantly impressed by them and their knowledge and their skill set. Um, that's what I wanted to bring them on for because I want to share some of that with other people out there. Um, if you enjoyed this one, uh, let us know somehow. You know, uh, we're easy to get in touch with here at DC Pro, or even let uh, Jeff and uh, you know uh, Lee and Spencer, all the MXU guys, know uh, if you enjoyed this one. Uh, and we'll do some more. Um, and even if you have specific topics where you're like, man, we would love for you guys to to kind of tackle this certain area. Um, you know, as Brian mentioned, we're doing a lot of uh, XR stuff this year, which is a fun topic. I don't, I'm there's an interesting conversation. Maybe this would be a whole other podcast of whether or not I see XR coming into the church world mm. very well. Uh, that might be a fun one. Um, you know, we do get into a lot of stuff, even though my my particular expertise and really, I, I'm one of those people who I decided to specialize in one thing. So I know lighting, period. Uh, but we've got an incredibly well, well-rounded uh, team here as well. So um, obviously, you know, Lee and Jeff are uh, killing it, providing the audio stuff. Um, you know, Rusty and uh, Jeremy are providing a lot of great video content for MXU. But if there's even anywhere in between there, uh, there might be a fun topic that you guys would enjoy hearing uh, us get into as a team. Uh, let us know. You know, easy to find on Instagram. Uh, we were just at dcpro.lda. Um, I think uh, I know I'm easy to find at Daniel Connell or Connell. Uh, apparently, it's a big mystery on how we pronounce my last name and. I'm not going to uh, end that mystery. So I'm either Daniel Connell or Daniel Connell. I'll let you uh, let you decide. Um, but yeah, uh, let us know. Love to hear from you. Hope you enjoyed it. And uh, we'll see you on the next one. <laughs>